0: Sex talk with Erica Miley. Cause sexuality is tough. So tough. And okay, sex isn't good enough. No. Sex talk with Erica Miley. Hey folks, welcome to Sex Talk with Erica Miley. Erica Miley here. I want to welcome Janelle. Hello. Vital. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad uh, Janelle is a certified sex and relationship design coach through the Somatica Institute. We're going to jump into some 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 deep shit today. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I'm stoked to kind of get rolling. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've designed this idea and uh, through your website, we're going to go into it here in a second. Uh, people can take a quiz and, and understand what their desire archetype is. Yes.
1: And, so I, I kind of want to know what what does that mean? Yeah, thanks so much for asking and thanks for having me, Erica. The Desire Archetypes is a system that's based on 100 plus years of psychology, starting with Freud and Reich, and then tweaked by Ron Kurtz of the Hakomi Institute and my teachers at the Somatica Institute. It's basically the idea that our erotic desires stem from something not always but sometimes they stem from influences from earlier in our life our childhoods and sometimes they stem from connection wounds that have happened in our lives where we felt like certain needs weren't met or even in our current reality sometimes we um, will eroticize something that feels hard so for example with the masks in the pandemic there's been all this mask porn I don't know if Mm -hmm. you know about this but (laughs) yeah like our brains just do a really amazing job of trying to make sense of things and find psychological Mm. balance in the face of things that we had no control over by eroticizing it and so basically this archetype system helps you let go of shame about what it is that you desire through looking at okay well why do i desire this and even if there's no clear reason why i have nothing to be ashamed of this is this is who i am and what i want and i get to create a relationship where we are playing with this dynamic it's not wrong or dirty Um, Mm -hmm. It's just me. It's me. And it helps me emotionally and psychologically heal to play with this desire. And so really my goal with working with partners is how do we help you both feel less shame and Mm -hmm. have more compassion for yourself and each other and communicate more about ways to meet in the middle if you seemingly want very different things in the bedroom. So that's what the archetype methodology is all about. I, I, I like that
0: a lot. And I think you're you're touching on something that we'll we'll jump into some other questions here in just a second. But I, I just, the eroticizing of things that we're trying to understand culturally yeah. is like something we've been doing for millennia. I don't yeah. think people realize that the internet is not the new place for this to happen. No. Yes, Pornhub does give us a lovely infograph every year. It's showing us exactly what we're eroticizing to try to deal with. Yep. Like, like I, I'm very curious. I haven't found it yet because i'm afraid because i'm a, i'm not a horror fan or, mm-hmm. by any means mm-hmm. i have friends who encourage me to watch it but i usually get overwhelmed and can't manage it i'm sure Same. squid squid game porn is coming if not oh, if yeah. it is not here already right like for sure <laughs> like, for sure
1: no question we, uh,
0: well and the fortnite porn has been high really high on the uh porn hub interest list for quite a while we yeah. do this culturally which is very it's a, it's something that we already do so you're essentially just saying like, Hey, this allows you to explore some of those archetypes and right. and or themes. A, a kind of a good idea, a good way to think about an archetype is a is a larger theme that could come from somewhere that we're trying to just wrap our heads around.
1: Exactly. And you and other listeners have probably heard of Justin La Miller, who is a pretty well-known sex researcher who mm-hmm. has found that even your political ideology can be tied oh, yeah. to what you fantasize about. Because if you are on the political right, where something like non-monogamy is really taboo, you're more mm-hmm. likely to fantasize about group sex or about cheating or something that's, you know, the, the straying from the, um, from the social norm. And if you're on the political left, where power is, in society is very criticized and, um, seen as very problematic, you're more Mm. likely to fantasize about power play in the bedroom because of the, again, like the psychological rebellion against what is seen as so, uh, normal and it creates balance in our minds. And that doesn't mean you want any of those things to happen in real life, even like your Mm. brain just has ways, of trying to make sense of things that's so fascinating
0: yeah justin's justin's a friend of the show he's definitely he's been here and talked about how these themes are like we we do will fantasize a lot about this stuff but oftentimes we, how that actually plays out in real life is not what we're really all that interested yeah. in it, because it, to make some of that stuff happen in real life takes a lot of steps and in our head we don't take that those steps
1: <laughs> totally totally so i like to start with my couples of just What if you... Um, What if you just know the other person likes to fantasize about this? What if you just talk about it casually over dinner? What if you talk about it while you're masturbating together? I mean, you can Mm -hmm. spin a fantasy without ever doing it in real life. And for a lot of people, that just alleviates so much of the shame and the uh, uncomfortable emotions that are associated with the desire. And so there's this myth Mm -hmm. in our culture that you have to fulfill all of your partner's desires Mm -hmm. or they have to fulfill all of your desires, And it's just not true. You just don't shame it. Just don't shame it. That's yeah. that's the crux of it. Don't yuck somebody else's yum. Mm-hmm. So I I do want to make sure
0: that we've been kind of talking about the idea of an archetype, and I, I think you did a really good job of trying trying to help people understand and break this down. So I think I you know I I decided I'd be the guinea pig. <laughs> And, and I, I went on to use the, the template myself and took the quiz at, at com J-A-N-E-L. Y'all, go check it out. It's going to be in the show notes. Uh, so I'll, I'll give you all my percentages. So I'm 40% sub, 40% the rebel. That's not a shock at all. Um, and 20% the beloved. So what what can this information and the listeners you know when you talk to somebody about these different percentages
1: like what would you tell someone like me with these these specific archetypes? Yeah, so there are six archetypes in this methodology, and so the sub is someone who enjoys surrendering mm-hmm. sexually and. Oftentimes that could be because they take care of so many other people or so many other things, they're in control in a lot of aspects of their life, and so the psychological balance to that is getting to truly surrender to someone that they trust. So knowing that that's true for you, I think being able to communicate that uh, that would be really nourishing for you with a partner is really important. The rebel is an archetype that really embraces the taboo and that doesn't mean they embrace the taboo in real life. So for example, like I was speaking to earlier, You might be very involved in your church and be a very religious person, but you have fantasies about threesomes. Okay, that doesn't mean that you and your partner are going to have a threesome, um, but your mind is leaning into the taboo as a way of finding psychological balance and healing. But you may also be someone who wants to lean into the taboo through actual uh, sexual behaviors that are manifested beyond just your desire, um, and so that's something to negotiate with your partner. and like re- that, that could look like sex in public. That could mm-hmm. look like a threesome. That could look like power play, which would be the where the sub and the rebel would marry in this case, right? Mm-hmm. So anything that's considered socially taboo is um, very erotic to this to this archetype. Mm-hmm. And then your last one is the beloved is someone mm-hmm. who wants to feel very nurtured and cared for oftentimes mm, these people can be anxious attached but not always but it's mm-hmm. it's a personality type of like oh, i just want you to know exactly what i want and need i want to like my dream would be to like lay back and receive and be really nurtured like mm-hmm. imagine like a queen who's just like being fond on you know and that also really interplays with your sub because they are both elements of wanting mm-hmm. to feel cared for wanting to feel like you get to to totally surrender to being taken care of, to being pleasured. So Mm. based on that, you know, I think you being with someone who is interested in playing with dominance and who's interested in playing with pleasuring, another archetype is the pleasurer, someone who loves to give, and their arousal comes from seeing their partner in arousal. So Mm. through the sub and the beloved, you would love to be, um, with a pleasure, someone who's like, yes, like, I am so focused on giving you what you need right now. Mm-hmm. And then someone who's willing to play with the taboo a little bit through your rebel side.
0: Yeah, I, I can definitely attest. And this isn't like, y'all, I'm not doing all this to play gotcha with Janelle that's like not the idea like it's just to show you all that these themes these themes follow throughout so many parts of our lives not even just in the erotic right like for sure this is something that um Freud did talk about and I have my beefs with Freud of course you know who doesn't (laughs) as you should (laughs) (laughs) but one of the things that he would talk about a lot is the how we would also play out try to understand some of our fears within our dreams and it doesn't mean that we need to spend like shit tons of time evaluating every dream we have but understanding that the erotic and in dreams the themes are things to think about and understand yeah. I, I do think that that is helpful here and you know you're you're right on especially about the sub stuff for myself and i i can attest for myself and i can attest for other powerful women that i've ever worked with that who own their own businesses? I own my own business. I have exactly. kids. I have a husband. I have I have my own podcast. I have all these things. I do. I put out a lot into the world, and it is highly erotic to me, to 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 even have somebody think about like, no, it's we're going to do you. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to lay down. We're taking e- we're taking care of every part of the erotic part yeah. of you. Yeah, that is incredibly erotic to me. And many of the women that I've worked with who are highly powerful, it's like, okay, let me just take
1: off this hat yeah, and give it to somebody else. And men who identify as as the subs oftentimes are really Mm high-powered career people themselves or they feel like very responsible for the financial well-being of their family or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. And so there's different pressures put on different people according to gender expectations in our society. And so submitting or in receiving sexually could be an antidote to that. There's also a, a lot of theories of why do women why are there more people, you know, assigned female at birth who tend to identify with the sub archetype or want to be submissive. And one thought is because It allows us to have sex happen to us without us thinking that we're choosing it overtly Mm -hmm. because um, it is happening to us. And so therefore we are not sluts. Mm -hmm. And so that's another interesting theory of like, why are there more there tend to be more women than men who who identify with this, even though there are people across the gender spectrum who who are that way.
0: That uh, that I the idea of consenting to non-consent. Yes,
1: exactly. I, I
0: that that theme that that is a that is a very it's a very powerful theme for so many of us out there. And essentially, yep. I mean, let's talk about what that means to people. Yeah. Like essentially, that means that you are saying yes ahead mm-hmm. of time that I would like to be have my boundaries pushed and this is like we were talking about earlier that this is a dynamic that truly happens in society in some of many especially especially those of us with vulvas Mm -hmm. again and again we've showed up in our lives Mm -hmm. where We've had to have we've our body boundaries have been crossed again and again and again. And being able to consent to this essentially changes the narrative. I mean, what do you see within within your relationships with consenting,
1: consenting, non consenting Yeah, Yeah, I think it's it's Friday. We're trying to put words together. (laughs) I think it's extremely hot personally. And, you know, I always have to when putting this out there publicly as we are, have that caveat of. This does not mean, of course, that women want to ha- have things happen to them that they are not consenting to. So That's this right. happens within a relationship that there is trust built. There is communication that happens in advance mm-hmm. um, of a scene being created, so to speak. And so it's so important to say that this doesn't mean that you know you now have permission to go grab a woman's ass at the bar because she wants her boundaries to be crossed. That's not what this means. Um, right. what, what it means is when we can have have enough trust for someone that they can then take us, quote unquote, it, it can just feel extremely hot and nourishing. And yes, like you said, I think there's something to reframing the victimized mode that it feels like to grow up with a vulva in this society to be like, no, I am actively enjoying and embracing this thing that's so horrible and wrong and so it makes some sense of it in your brain or it heals your trauma around it or whatever i mean everyone has different relationships to it or perhaps it's just taboo and so that's sexy to you or perhaps you work too hard and you just want to be taken so you can relax like there's so many possible Mm -hmm. reasons at the end of the day the why of why you want it i don't think is as important as just knowing you're not a freak there's nothing Mm -hmm. wrong with you You can't choose your desires. There's no shame in your desires. You don't have to have your desires met exactly as is. And you and your partner should just communicate openly about them and negotiate what can we do with these things without shame and without judging each other. That's, to me, the most important thing. Beautiful. Beautiful summarization.
0: And I I think that that, the idea of this can be done without shame and... The permission to say you don't have to do this either yeah. uh, is is incredibly powerful. It does yeah. take that narrative and yeah. flip it on its head, which right. Right. it's fundamentally important. Right. So I I do want to come to some of your own story. The you uh, I know that you've put this out publicly that you you were in Catholic school for fourteen years. Yeah, and if you're cool with sharing, sure. what what did that teach you uh, about your your professional journey teach you about your
1: personal sexual growth? Yeah. The whole reason I'm a sex and relationship coach stems from this. Growing Mm. up and going to Catholic school for 14 years, you know, my sister and I went to the same Catholic school and she was reminding me last night, we had this family life book with this giant black page with white text on it that enlisted the cardinal sins. And one of them was homosexuality. I mean, this is in in the early thousands. This Mm -hmm. isn't that long ago
0: Um,
1: or like late 90s or something. So, you know, and I am someone who identifies as bi. Um, Mm -hmm. I am someone who now I know identifies as Um, Mm non-monogamous. So growing up, I thought there was something wrong with me that I was a woman who wanted to have sex with or I mean, even if I didn't want to have sex, I was I I felt drawn to connecting with more than one person before I even Mm -hmm. understood what that meant. Yeah. As a preteen, when my sexuality started coming online, I realized, oh, wow, like I'm really attracted to the other girls in the way the other girls aren't. Oh, wow, I have mm-hmm. a really high libido in a way that like I'm not supposed to as a woman. So just so much about my orientation to sexuality and relationship and connection felt very wrong and broken in the context of mm-hmm. what was considered acceptable in the Catholic community. Um, In in fact, one of my friends in high school at my Catholic high school told me that I had no values and I was so heartbroken. And I've come to realize in going on my own journey of letting go of shame that I do have very strong values. They're just different Mm. than the values I am told I should espouse in Catholic school and from the dominant narrative of society. So Mm. the whole yeah, the whole reason I became I became a someone who helps people with this is because of all the shame and guilt I internalized. And, you know, I think that a lot of good can come from, from religion too. There's a community, there's um, some really positive values around sharing. I mean, I personally believe Jesus was a socialist and if he was alive today, he'd be hanging out with sex workers, you know? Um, So Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of good that can come from that. And, you know, a lot of people do have some religious trauma because it's such a shame based It can be Mm -hmm. such a shame-based environment, and I just really don't believe that shaming anything is a way to get rid of desire. I just don't. I think that being honest about desire is the way to just air it out so that it can dissipate, and it doesn't mean you have to act on the desire. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. Just because you acknowledge something exists doesn't mean it has to happen.
0: And I appreciate your willingness to to share that story, because ultimately so many of us especially through the 80s and the 90s and early 2000s and even now that purity culture from that period of time from various religious organizations really influenced how what education we had access to especially here in the United States and and so that that shame even if you didn't grow up in a religious household that shame still showed up in school that abstinence for only sure. was the only way that that we were going to yes. get education, especially during that period of time. So that yeah. you are, I imagine, ringing a lot of bells for people who are listening because yeah. I can say that myself. I was raised in an evangelical household that the purity movement was alive and well in our house. Yeah. So the, that yeah. how it changed and you started to understand your own, I, your own identity through that, I yeah. I, I recognize that myself, right? Yeah. Like I came to my own sexuality much later in life because of uh, lot of those things Mm -hmm. so i i hope when people are listening to you they hear that that earnest understanding that 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 this runs deep
1: and sometimes in ways you don't even realize yeah and thank you for sharing a bit about your past and story i see you <laughs> I see you. Yeah. I see you, girl.
0: Yeah. So I, I just, I'm so uh, tickled that you were willing to come on the show,
1: and uh, I, I want people to be able to find you. How do people find you in the world? Sure. Well, you can find me on all the socials at Love with Janelle, and Janelle, like you said earlier, is spelled Jane with an L, J A N E L, and that is my website uh, URL as well. Y'all just go on and take the quiz. It's fun. Yeah. It's really fun. Yeah. And I, I primar- I primarily work with couples or partners and I help Mm -hmm. them to negotiate their own sex life between the two of them. And then I also work with couples to negotiate creating a more customized, a more open relationship that may involve connecting with other people. Um, So I'm all about helping people uh, in relationship design a more authentic relationship that's really based on the two of you and what you desire, not based on social expectations. Beautifully put. Y'all, it also includes ethical, ethical non-monogamy. See, again,
0: mm-hmm. recording this on a Friday. I have hard time <laughs> with words on Fridays.
1: It's understandable. <laughs> yeah, I just want to help you figure out what's right for you, if whether it's monogamy, whether it's non-monogamy, whether it's kink, whether it's tantra, like we will figure it out you and your partner even if you want different things that's my specialty is when two people want different things sexually or relationally to help them meet in the middle because i know what that feels like it's so hard and you know with my own partner too we are in a you know a non-monogamous relationship and sometimes I get jealous and I have a higher sex mm-hmm. drive than him and sometimes I feel rejected and relationships are tough but with the right communication and the right tools we can make hard things into an opportunity for deeper intimacy and mm-hmm. understanding and connection and that's what I want to help you do beautifully put
0: y'all you heard it here she will help <laughs> you find a way to do you yes great. exactly exactly <laughs> Janelle, thanks for coming on the show. Folks, you can find everything you heard today in the show notes. And uh, I'm serious. Go check out that quiz. It's a lot of fun. Janelle, (laughs) I hope you have a good rest of your week. Folks, thanks for listening to the end. We will see you next time.
1: Thanks, Erica. Bye, everyone.